1: nation's capital. It's Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon.
0: Welcome to Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, D.C., and a political analyst for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me or my political polling company, or if you have any ideas or suggestions for Deadline DC, the best way to reach me is on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at BradBannonPodcast. All one word. Welcome to all of you who are watching me on Twitter and Periscope. Now everyone can watch the show by going to periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. You can also view the show on Facebook Live. Today on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, we'll preview the presidential race. Uh, My guest in this uh, hour will be uh, Sean Zella from Congressional Quarterly. Uh, political comedian Tara Devlin, and progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi. Our guest in this half hour is Sean Zella, uh, deputy editor of uh, Congressional Quarterly magazine. Actually, I was uh, thinking today when we started this, I think back in uh March of 2019, Sean was my first best guest on Deadline DC, and we're still going strong, and uh, Sean is back with us today. Welcome back to Deadline DC, Sean.
2: It's great to be back, Brad. Thanks for having me on.
0: Okay, uh, let's get started. Uh, we've uh, got past the national political conventions. Uh, there are about two months left in the presidential race uh the question is what is the lay of the land in the presidential race uh now that we've got to the stretch run
2: well i think the the conventional wisdom out there is that biden uh vice president joe biden still has a very solid lead over president trump but that there are some concerns that trump's message at the convention, his law and order message that he's the guy to restore law and order to cities that have had rioting and looting after the killing of George Floyd, and more recently in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after another black man was shot by police, um, that that message might be resonating a bit. And we saw Joe Biden respond to that today in a speech in Pittsburgh far more strongly than he had in the past. He, in the past, he had uh, disowned rioting and looting, but he did it more forcefully today. And I think that was a response to the sense that Trump's message might have been resonating.
0: Well, yeah, uh, I watched part of uh, Joe Biden's speech in Pittsburgh today, and it was a very strong speech. Uh, he condemned uh, Trump in very harsh terms, Uh, Do you think, uh, well, first of all, the basic argument the former vice president made today, uh, well, he made two of them. First of all, he blamed uh, the president for the violence in Kenosha and Portland and Minneapolis and other places, Uh, and two— uh, I think Joe Biden did turn, I think it was a significant speech because I think Joe Biden did turn the page today and he was much more forceful rebutting the president, uh, than he was for instance, at the democratic national convention. So let's take the first part of the, uh, first part. Uh, do you think that, uh, Donald Trump, can basically say the country is in a mess and we need me as president to fix the mess uh, when he's been president for three and a half years? Will Americans buy that?
2: It's a difficult sell for the reason you mentioned, that that he is the president. And typically the buck stops there, right, with the president. Um, whether it's his fault or not, um, he's the president. And he t- he would typically take the blame for it and i would say that there is a good case that he does take the blame for it with a lot of americans on the other hand you know they're trying to the republicans and trump are trying to make the case that the rioting and looting that's occurred has occurred in cities controlled by democrats where progressives form the majorities of the voters and that therefore he should not be blamed and that It demonstrates what would happen with progressive leadership across the country. I think that's a tough sell, but that's the case they're making. And I think Joe Biden was a little worried that it was resonating.
0: Uh, Yeah, I do, too. Uh, Just uh, for our viewers and listeners, first of all, our guest in this half hour uh, is Sean Zilla, the deputy editor of CQ magazine. Uh, The... uh, Best polling that I've seen so far since the Republican National Convention. Uh, uh, morning Consult did national surveys right before the Republican Convention and right after the Republican Convention. And Joe Biden had a 10-point lead going into the Republican convention, uh, which was exactly uh, the same as the lead he had before the Democratic convention. Uh, Morning Consult also did a poll they did immediately after the Republican convention and showed that Joe Biden's 10-point lead uh, dropped to be a uh, six-point lead. Uh, so, uh, the president did get some bounce out of his convention, whether it was enough or not, of course, we don't know yet. Uh, I thought that, uh, the, uh, well, first of all, I, I thought Joe Biden really soft pedaled his attack against Trump at the democratic national convention, Um, I also thought that uh, Trump was very aggressive. I saw a stat somewhere uh, that said that uh, uh, Biden did not even mention Trump's name during his acceptance speech. And in Trump's acceptance speech, uh, he mentioned Biden's name 16 times. So that may be an indicator of how aggressive uh, the two acceptance speech was. And I'm glad uh, Biden gave the speech he did today uh, because because I, uh, uh, I do think it was time for Biden to get more aggressive. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the, uh, Joe Biden made the speech in Pittsburgh today, and tomorrow, believe it or not, the president is going to Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, I suppose, to make a bad situation even worse. Uh, do you think it's a good idea for the president to travel to Kenosha tomorrow, John?
2: I think it's probably a bad idea. Um, I think few could deny that the president inflames his opposition. Um, He inflames the people who are out in the streets of Kenosha protesting, and it seems unlikely that his presence there would calm tensions. As a political matter, it also seems potentially unwise. We know that right-wing groups have started to join the fight. In Portland, there was a a caravan of Trump supporters who came into town to basically take on the um, Black Lives Matter protesters, and it did not go well. Someone was killed, and it strikes me that if the if the voters um, who are who support the who support Black Lives Matter, the concept that people should be treated equal and that our country has a problem in that regard but at the same time don't think violence or rioting is the way to achieve greater equality, that if they see the battle joined between right and left-wing radicals, that their, their decision to vote Biden will be easier, whereas Trump would gain advantage if it's only left-wing pro- protesters in the streets who are doing um, some violence and looting, and his side is behaving more responsibly. So I think, um, you know, it's not a good idea politically or as far as just calming the tensions there in Wisconsin.
0: Okay. Uh, Our guest in this half hour is Sean Zella, the deputy editor of CQ magazine. Uh, for our listeners on uh, radio, we're going to break. For our uh, Periscope TV and Facebook viewers, we're going to continue this interview right now. But uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes for our radio listeners. And if you're viewing this on Periscope or Facebook, stay hang in there because we're not going away. magazine. Uh, welcome back to Deadline DC, Sean. Let's, uh, let's try this. Uh, the uh, It was uh, interesting and perhaps telling about the current sorry state of American politics uh, that uh, there was lots of talk about the pandemic uh, at the Democratic National Convention. Um, but in, at the Republican convention, it was the elephant in the room that no one seemed to want to talk about, uh, a nasty fact of life, I guess that the president, you know, chooses to ignore, um, what, you know, my, my, and there's also obviously in the Republican convention, uh, there was a lot of talk about the violence in the streets and places like Kenosha and Portland and Seattle. And so my question is, uh, what role does the economy uh, play in the two thousand twenty campaign? Uh, that's an issue that doesn't get talked a lot about. Certainly not as much as the pandemic or uh, or interestingly, the. Uh, the, um, the, the why- interestingly,
2: interestingly, why- I I'd say that you know the economy always matters. It's a, it's the fundamentals that matter in elections, and that's um, fundamental number one. Um, so that, you would think, would hurt President Trump. Our economy is in, a, is in a sorry state right now. We have over 10% unemployment. We have over a million people still losing uh, their jobs every week, even as other companies are doing hiring. At, and um, then there has some, been some net job growth in the last couple months. But it's, uh, it's, the polls seem to indicate that that is the one area where President Trump still has an edge perhaps that's a residual effect of how strong the economy was back before the pandemic but i think as the pandemic drags on that that edge is is at risk because you know some people thought there might be a v-shaped recovery we have been seeing recovery but it's hard to call it v-shaped it's not a it's not a skyrocketing recovery it seems to be slowing down the just the, the number of virus cases has been too great to really reopen the economy to the level that would bring a V-shaped recovery.
0: Well, you know, that raises an interesting issue. Uh, you're right. Uh, I remember uh, looking at surveys, national surveys that were done before the start of the Democratic Convention. Uh, and in those surveys, the uh, president Uh, Had very poor job rating for fighting the pandemic, Uh, but uh, he still had an advantage over uh, Joe Biden, not a big one, but at least an advantage over Joe Biden on handling the economy. why is that? You've mentioned that it was perhaps a residual effect of uh, uh, you know the growth in the economy that happened the pandemic. Are voters essentially saying, well, you know, it's not Trump's fault. Uh, the pandemic killed the economy. He didn't do it. What do you think's going on there?
2: Yeah, well, the other thing I would speculate about is the the sense um probably true that if president if we have a President Biden next year, that he will be more cautious about reopening the economy, that he will be more open to the advice of health experts who suggest taking it slow and keeping things shuttered to get the, to really um, tamp down the virus cases, if, if hopefully we're heading in that direction. And Trump, by contrast, has made it very clear that he wants to reopen. Um, and some states are much more than others. It depends on where you live. So,
0: I think that could
2: be a factor in those numbers that you're seeing.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, let me ask you another question. Uh, at the Democratic National, uh, yeah, at the Democratic National Convention, uh, we had a number of prominent Republican speakers. Uh, former Ohio Governor John Kasich, uh, Colin Powell, who served in the Bush administration. Uh, We had Cindy McCain, the widow of the late Republican Senator John McCain. Uh, All sorts of uh, officials from the the two Bush administrations uh, have endorsed Joe Biden. Uh, Now on the. uh, And so you have republicans many republicans who were dissatisfied uh with uh the trump administration supporting joe biden you still have this split however in the democratic party between uh, what i'd call establishment democrats and progressive democrats who are represented by bernie sanders you do still have that split in the democratic party there's an axiom in american politics that the party that is most united uh, wins the election in November. And so my question to you is, which of the two parties, the Democrats or the Republicans, do you think is most united going into the stretch uh, run of the election?
2: I My concerns are more about the Democratic Party being united than the Republican. Um, I could be wrong, and the, the Democrats uh, may indeed be united. But I think they have to demonstrate that the Democrats have historically had a more difficult time bringing their different factions together. That, For example, young voters, minority voters, Black and Hispanic have been more difficult to turn out and their turnout has varied quite a bit depending on whether they are motivated. Under Barack Obama, of course, they were motivated. Um, but they were not the last go around in 2016. And I, so I think that the onus is on the Democrats to, to demonstrate that they've brought their coalition together and that the, uh, you know, there is an element of risk in, in Joe Biden speaking out about, about, out about the riots in some of the cities, because there are some on the left who believe that the problem of race relations in America is so severe that only a really um, uh, vituperous protest um, can draw the necessary attention to it. And so Biden takes a risk in disowning that. And, you know, are those voters going to come out and cast their ballots for him if he's not in favor of defunding police? If he's said, oh, I think it's just a matter of a few bad apples in the police force and not a systemic problem that needs to be completely upended. So, and I think the polls are showing the Democrats um, have an enthusiasm gap among their voters uh, relative to President Trump.
0: Uh, Do you think that, uh, I remember a couple of weeks after the uh, George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis, and there were all sorts of demonstrations across the country, there was one national poll, and I think it was a CNN national poll, uh, that asked Americans, uh, whether those, uh, protests were, uh, whether those demonstrations were riots, um, or or protest. And by a two to one margin, Americans said they were protest, uh, rather than riots. Do you think that still holds?
2: No, I don't think it still holds. I I think after George Floyd's death, There was a moment of unity in the country. Um, The vast majority of Americans were in favor of protests and believe that something needs to be done to protect black people from police misconduct. But I think, you know, as it's gone on, as there have indeed been acts of uh, violence and rioting, that- Sean, I'm sorry, I'm
0: gonna have to interrupt you. We're out of time. I wanna thank our guest, Sean Zella, deputy editor of CQ magazine, Hey guys,
1: this is Todd Palin. Don't tell anybody, but I'm a secret fan of the Leslie Marshall Show. I sneak and listen when Sarah's out on one of her $150,000 shopping sprees. She won't even buy me Legos. Anyway. Dad! Oh crap, I gotta go. Sarah's making me go helicopter hunting with her. Dad! Good thing I can bring my laptop and listen to Leslie streaming at leslemarshallshow.com. Dad? <laughs>
0: Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. The summer uh, and national political conventions are in the rearview mirror, and next week Labor Day marks your traditional fall kickoff for the stretch run in the campaign for president. The big question for the final two months of the campaign is whether Joe Biden will come out of the starting blocks as a bull or a bear. Will he run an aggressive or passive campaign in the final phase of the uh, uh, great presidential adventure? The Biden campaign's laissez-faire let Trump be Trump approach has worked like gangbusters so far. But as we get to the fall, it's no time for the former vice president to play it safe. It's time for the Democratic standard bearer to take off the gloves and be more aggressive. Trump's shaky hold on reality will get even more tenuous when he feels the heat. If Biden puts pressure on the president, Trump will fold like a cheap suit. So far, the Biden campaign, with its lead in the battleground states in the national polls, has sat still and played a prevent defense. But now it's time to. Now we're headed into the debate season, and it's only two months away from Election Day. Fall also brings the beginning of the national football season, uh, so it's time for the Democratic standard bearer to abandon his prevent defense and turn up the heat to blitz the Trump campaign. Uh, the, Joe Biden's very aggressive speech against Trump today in Pittsburgh uh, was a good first step. You can read the rest of this column and my take on the presidential race every Monday. Just Google Muckrack, all one word, dot com, front slash Brad Dash Bannon. Now it's time for our provocative progressive political panel. Our guest panelist today is Tara Devlin. Tara is the New York City-based comedian, writer, and founder of RepublicanDirtyTricks.com, also known as R. R.D.T. Daily. Tara's unapology, unapologetically liberal podcast, Tara Busta, is 100% listener-supported, free from corporate influence and five-star viewer-related. Join the resistance by becoming a patron of Tara Busta and R.D.T. Daily at patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com front slash Tara Devon. You can follow Tara on Twitter at RealTaraDevlin and on Instagram at Terradactyl. That's T-A-R-A-D-A-C-K-T-Y. Joining Tara on the panel is progressive political uh. activist Mark Grimaldi. <laughs> Mark has worked on get out the vote operations for dem- several Democratic presidential candidates, including Joe Biden. Mark is also involved in campaign <laughs> finance reform and philanthropic efforts for cancer research. His Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. Welcome, panel. Uh the conventions are all over. Falls about to start. Uh how do you see the land of uh the lay of the land in the presidential race? Tara, let's start with you uh and Tara Jr. Jr.
3: <laughs> yes. Hi. Yeah, um, I'm a little concerned, to tell you the truth. Um, it's Trump is 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 an existential threat to our democratic republic. We know, we understand that he will. To to quote Game of Thrones, he'll he would burn this country to the ground if he could be king of the ashes, and that's why he's going to Portland. I don't feel that. Right now, I mean you' you're, you're uh, Sean in the fr- in the prior subject I mean in the, in the prior uh, segment, he's a hundred percent right. The enthusiasm gap for Joe Biden is just not there, and I will vote for him, of course, I' will vote for Tara Jr jr. if I had to, but to get rid of Twitter because he is a danger to this country, we have to stop the bleeding in my opinion but it, it's really um, every day is another offense against the American people and democracy. And he is deliberately tearing this country apart. That's why he's going to Kenosha. That's why he won't ha- he'll 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 not say anything about the um, African-Americans who've been killed by the police or he'll he he wants us at each other's throats. And it's working, I fear. And Joe Biden, he's too, he's not, uh, in my opinion, he needs to fight. Every day on his Twitter feed, he'll say, Mr. President, please do this or do like something very low key. Don't even call him Mr. President. Why are you calling him Mr. President? You're legitimizing him. Every time Joe Biden calls him Mr. President, he elevates him to the presidency. He's not the president. He received fewer votes. He's illegitimate. He is also he's proven himself to be illegitimate in the way he behaves and his disgraces and crimes against the country and uh, the disgraceful behavior he exhibits in office. So I I really wish Joe Biden would fight the fact that it's even close because they're saying that right now, the uh, the polls, he that Twitter got a bump in the polls after that abomination of a convention, the Nuremberg rally that we saw that it, it the fact that anybody would vote for him is shocking. But it just goes to show you uh, once again that this is our election to lose and hopefully, uh, you know. I will, I'm not going to lay in bed on the day after election day in, uh, in the fetal position as I did in 2016. So we'll see really. That's well, uh, <laughs> uh,
0: just before we went on the air, uh, Joe Biden gave a speech in Pittsburgh today, which was very aggressive and a hard hitting.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so I'm glad, uh, I agree with you, Tara. I think, uh, Joe Biden needs to be much more forceful and yep. aggressive against the president, and I think the speech in Pittsburgh today was a good start on that. Uh, Mark, uh, what do you think of the lay of the what? It, what do you think is the lay of the land in the presidential race right now?
1: So I think that you have a very Tara and Sean have both made strong points in the fact that. When you ask people in polls who they would vote for today, whether it's you know registered voters or likely voters, the, uh, Vice President Biden has a lead between when it's likely voters, it's eight percentage points roughly on average. When it's um, registered voters, it's closer to between four and six points. Um, there are some outliers both ways. Um, the thing that I think is important to note, which Tara did, is the enthusiasm gap, because you're going to have to... A lot of people go out and vote during a pandemic and risk your health to do mm-hmm. so. And if you feel and you really see what's on the line, then it's, you know, no uh, no contest. The reason you're having to risk it is because of Trump's failed response you're to right. the pandemic. Yep. That's why we're in the situation. Um, but those who are going to vote for him, I think, you know, he has a very entrenched base of, let's say, 35 percent, which sometimes can swell up to closer to 40 percent, depending on, you know, different polls in different times throughout his presidency, um, if you want to call it that. Uh, I would say that the more this race uh, progresses and has progressed, I think Vice President Biden has presented himself better. I actually think he's mm-hmm. got stronger since the primaries. He's presented a better case, why he should be president, not just because, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. Trump basically. Um, and I think a lot of that as Tara has previously brought up is uh, having strong progressive policies that were uh, initially endorsed by the likes of Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And you see that whether it's making sure the public option is something that's gonna be fought for when he becomes president when you have um tuition assistance, when you have free local public you know, universities, when you have different uh, financial programs that you're going to roll out, uh, when you're ready to be more aggressive in taking this pandemic seriously and, and not being afraid, thankfully, like Vice President Biden and Senator Harris, when they're asked, would you be willing to have a mask mandate? Would you be willing to shut the country down if you needed to? And the answer is yes. If it's going to save lives right now, you're about to roll up on 200,000 dead Americans Americans because you have the world's worst COVID response, mm-hmm. regardless of what number you look at. So as I know, we're going to break here, Brad, with 30 seconds. I don't want to eat up your uh, closing 30 seconds before a break, but that's where I see things
0: right now. Mm. OK, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to go to break now, as Mark said, uh, we'll come be back with more of our provocative progressive political panel uh, with Tara Devon, who has uh, her own podcast. <laughs> and progressive activist Mark Bermaldi. We'll be back right after these messages, uh, and we hope you'll stick with us. (laughs) Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com.
1: Perfect timing <laughs> oh my there. God. Brad, go ahead.
0: I'm sorry. Welcome back. This Deadline DC. Brad, Mann. Uh, we're in the middle of our provocative progressive political panel. Uh, our guests are uh, Tara Devlin, who is the host of Tower Buster, and Mark Gormaldi, the progressive political activist, Mark Gormaldi. Let's try this. Uh, I remember uh, back in uh, May uh, when George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis uh, after the uh, subsequent demonstrations. Uh, CNN asked Americans in a national survey and this is probably in early June uh, whether they thought the demonstrations uh, after the death of uh, Mark or Garmo- after uh, uh, George Floyd were protest or riots. Uh, and fortunately, to the good sense of the American people, by a two to one margin, Americans were more likely to say that they were protest rather than riots. Uh, Tara, do you think Americans still think that way or do you think uh, they've moved from thinking that uh, what we're doing, what's going on now um, are riots instead of protest?
3: I think that to think so. Yes. And I think that message has some effectiveness to it, unfortunately. And what the American people are seeing, it all depends on which silo of information they're they're getting their their news, so um, it's that this is why he's going to Kenosha. He wants the country at each other's throats, so he can build on that meme that these are riots. I'm going to bring law and order, and it's us against them. Otherwise, who? What else is distracting from his abysmal failure? On the pandemic and everything else, including uh, the next we're right on the verge of the next Republican Great Depression. And what are they doing about it? The Republicans think that the American people aren't desperate enough. That's their remedy to fix it. Let's pretend it's not there and get the American people so desperate that they will risk their lives and get back to work because we have, you know golf a golf game to play. But, yeah, this is what he's doing. He wants people, he wants the uh, cities in flames. He. That's why you'll never hear him healing or trying to bring people together. That's not the agenda here. So, yeah, it's working, I think.
0: yeah. Uh, well, sadly, uh, it may be uh, because uh, there has been a lot of talk about riots and uh, uh, not much, you know, not as much talk about the pandemic, which mm-hmm. is said is we're you know we're going up to 200,000 dead Americans uh Mark uh do you think uh do you think uh that the uh the uh protest uh in places like Kenosha and Portland that are going on now uh do you think they're going to help or hurt Donald Trump politically
1: I think he'll try to take advantage of them but as we've seen before um he and um his uh, personal lawyer, who's supposed to be the head of the Justice Department, Bill Barr, have shown that they can't help but have overreach. And you had videos circulating of uh, American citizens uh, exercising their freedom to assemble, being thrown into unmarked vehicles by. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who were apparently undercover federal officers not showing ID. And once those images circulated and you saw the overreaction by the Trump administration as per usual, and that they can't help themselves, but slide into, um, you know, fascism. I mean, look at the way they cleared the front of the white house because Trump was so upset that people found out he went and hid in the bunker during the protests. (laughs) So they shoot tear gas at peaceful protesters. And that's an iconic, iconic image with him holding the Bible upside down, which is just picture perfect for a man who thought it was two Corinthians as a Bible verse, if you remember, and uh, leading up to the 2016 election when he was supposed to cite scripture. Uh, I think it just shows that you know at times he'll be on the edge of it but i actually agree as, as i'm seeing more of this speech from vice president biden come out um it really was forceful and and it, he struck the right balance that needs to be struck it, re- it reminds me a little bit of the way that president obama uh dealt with race relations as he was running um there was a, a famous speech that he gave in philadelphia uh which was something that drew praise from all sides of the aisle at the time even the likes of i think dick cheney which was uh pretty crazy at the time that's one of the things that stuck out in my head but i think the focus will come back to the pandemic as well as someone with um, three- and five-year-old little girls. Uh, School is right around the corner this coming week, and you're going to see many parents, uh, if they're lucky, to have their kids have a fully remote option if they so choose to due to safety concerns. They're going to be juggling, how do I make sure that my child is learning while i go to a job and how am i supposed to do both of those things and if your child even doesn't have any sort of learning disabilities or is just considered a normal child you know it still is very difficult to balance these things and for those who do go to school I'm sorry to say, but there's children who are going to get sick from COVID and are going to die. It's it's going to happen because Mm -hmm. of the policies. There's no federal policy for schooling. It varies from state to state city to city, municipality to municipality, county to county, whatever you want to call it and Betsy DeVos is doing a disastrous job of trying to mitigate this and they're only offering certain federal funding if you have in-person classes because Trump thinks it's going to help him in the election so it's going to become if it's not already painfully obvious that they're willing to not only put our lives on the line, they're willing to put our children's lives on the line for political purposes and Mm -hmm. we're cruising towards 200,000 deaths due to COVID, marry that with the flu pandemic. And you could only imagine, unfortunately, how bad it's going to get because we still do not have any sort of national coordination as far as testing and contact tracing which you've seen Dr. Fauci talk about from the beginning, it's about contact tracing. You wanna know what the Trump administration's doing today? Their new advisor uh, for the Mm -hmm. infectious disease uh, area of the presidency, his name's Scott Atlas. He has no infectious disease training. He's pushing the herd immunity strategy, which failed in Sweden. Well, guess what? One more point, with a population of 328 million people in the United States, it would require 2.13 million deaths to reach a 65% threshold of Immunity. That's what his advisor is telling him. That's who's leading the president's medical uh, advise, advisory board today on the issue of COVID 19, just to give you an idea.
3: Mm-hmm. That's your party uh, of
0: life. Yeah. Uh, Tara, we got about okay. two minutes left. Uh, do you think, uh, and Joe Biden forcefully addressed this today in his speech in uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, Do you think Donald Trump can get away with blaming all the problems of the nations uh, on Joe Biden rather than himself?
3: He'll this is the strategy. He will get away with it with some of his supporters. They'll believe anything he says. But it, it is kind of ridiculous, though. He follows the big lie tactic and the repetition. So it's repeated by all of his enablers. The Republicans will repeat this. Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, everywhere they'll go, they'll repeat it. And they'll try their best, saying that Joe Biden is a swamp creature and all that. He's been working in D.C. for 40 years, and he created it. But this is Trump's America right now, of course, The the Democratic Party really needs to do to step up the game and stop giving him any wins. For example, every time the Democratic Party says we had a good economy before the pandemic, they're also not um, they're negating the fact that the American people were living check to check. It was this is not a great economy. They should qualify it as. It's a great economy if you're rich, period. It's not a great economy for the American people. And the pandemic has just opened up the, well, just opened, opened up that uh, right out in front of everyone. We can all see how bad the economy was for those who are born on the wrong side of Reaganomics. And yeah, so I just think... Uh, I know we only have a minute left, but there.
0: Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right, Tara. One of the reasons that Donald Trump won uh, in 2016 is he understood how uh, uneasy Americans were about yep. the economy, living paycheck to paycheck, as you said, and he took advantage of it. And it's yes. very important. I think you're right that Joe Biden recognized it. That's it for uh, Deadline DC today. Uh, thanks to our guest, uh, Sean Zella of CQ magazine, Tara Devlin, host of Terra Buster, and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. I'm here Mondays at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. If the Lord is willing, the creek don't rise and Donald Trump doesn't declare martial law. Stay strong, stay safe, and don't drink the Clorox or the Kool-Aid. Right. I don't care what the president says. We'll be back uh Mondays with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon uh and we hope you find ways to fill up the week before we get started again.
3: Add a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over 90 online instant games to choose from with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000. Playing online could you be next sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code fun visit michiganlottery.com to add a little play to your day what makes a community is it a place on a map or a group of people who know they can depend on each other at michigan's credit unions it's our job to look out for you in tough economic times like this We're helping thousands of Michigan families with immediate support, like loan modifications and waived fees, and offering financial counseling to guide brighter futures. When it comes to helping
0: our members and communities move forward, we make it personal. Click the banner to find a Michigan credit union.